You're listening to the audio podcast of Richard Hefner's Open Mind. For more information, visit 13.org slash open mind. I'm Richard Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and this is another of an occasional series of broadcast conversations prepared in cooperation with the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation on the subject of Americans working longer and our nation perhaps doing better as a result. Joining me again today in pursuing this theme of such profound social and personal significance to so many of us is the Rand Corporation's Dr. Nicole Maestas, whose work focuses on the economics of retirement, health, and disability, specifically on how longer work lives could ameliorate the economic effects of population aging. Now, two years ago, in addressing the Committee on Finance of the United States Senate on encouraging work at older ages, my guest said, quote, the economic challenges posed by an aging society are significant. As the baby boomers age and retire, the ratio of non-workers to workers in the population is rising, causing society's consumption needs to outpace growth in our productive capacity and ultimately straining Social Security and Medicare and slowing economic growth. We started our conversation from that point last time. Let's do it again today. And I would ask you, Dr. Maestas, uh, whether other nations, developing nations, um, are facing the same kind of problems and the same kind of opportunities that we discussed last time. The same kinds of problems are seen in other developed countries. So Europe, for example, faces, um, in, in fact, in many ways, if you contrast the position of the U.S. with the position of many European countries, the U.S. actually looks pretty good. Why? Well, already we have much higher rates of employment among older workers in the U.S. than are currently seen in many European countries. And looking at the population changes that are coming down the pike, it's actually worse in Europe than it is in the U.S. In other words, one statistic is the, you know, the fraction of population older, older than age 65, um, that, the growth in that population between, say, now and 10, 20, 30 years from now more growth in the population, in the older population in European countries than we will see here in the U.S. So, in other words, the problem is, is more severe in many European countries, and yet they're even worse positioned to be able to deal with it, only because nobody works past retirement in many European countries. That's interesting. So you're talking about a psychological divide there. Yeah, there, I think there is a psychological divide, but it's also very interesting. Before we were, we were talking about the institutions, public policies, are the policies and institutions set up to match these demographic changes and these changes in the way people want to retire? And the answer 
for the U.S. was, of course, well, yes and no. And we've actually, you know, we've made some progress and I expect we'll make more progress on this front. Well, you look at Europe and the answer really is no. Now, it's not like no one is seeing this as a problem, but the institutional, um, the institutional setting in many countries really um, is it's very strongly toward work until retirement and then leave the labor force. There is not a lot of part-time work. There's not a lot of unretirement. People are beginning to get interested in it. I'm starting to get calls from, um, I had a call recently from um, the European Commission. They want to talk about unretirement. But changes have to be made in many of the institutional, the social programs that people use to transition out of the labor force. For example, in many countries, it's very easy to retire via the disability insurance program or via an unemployment insurance program, not just the traditional retirement program. And we think of many of these programs um, in these countries as really kind of, we call them alternative routes to retirement, um, not, you know, in other words, they're being used as, um, as a way to exit the labor force permanently more so than they're being used for their stated purpose. And this is playing out, you know, this is, this is the European situation. Um, it's really quite, quite contrasting compared to the U.S. situation. How do you, how do you explain this? National attitudes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. National attitudes, sure, sure. Um, you, know, you know, social policies around, around um, leave from employment are more generous. Um, maternity leave, year-long maternity leave benefits in some countries comes to mind. Um, but, um, you know, population aging is really a game-changer. And, um, you know, it impacts the fiscal position of countries in very profound ways. I mean, it cuts to the heart of economic growth. Um, you know, the quote that you opened the program with really, you know, illustrates the problem. It's when, when the consumption needs of a society are growing much, much faster than the society's ability to produce the goods and services to feed the society, right? Um, you, economic growth slows necessarily. You say the society's ability. I think what you have been saying, though, yeah. society's population's willingness. Um, we're willing to work from what you said. You talk about unretirement. Yeah, yeah. And you say it doesn't happen that often elsewhere. Right. Uh, again, what do you think it means? Well, I mean, unretirement is... Um, I, uh, here's what I think is... Here, here's, here's the thing. I think, you know, there has been unretirement. It has been around for a long time. There have always been people who have retired and returned to work. But we're now seeing more and more and more of it. And, you know, at the same time, people are living longer, they're living healthier. The desire on the part of older workers, I believe, is there. Many older workers and you, would like to keep working. And you've already said this isn't a matter, essentially, of mm -hmm. financial pressure. It's, I mean, you know, now the Great Recession has, has, has you know, come upon us and has increased financial pressure on, you know, many households. So I don't mean to to minimize the, um, the impact of the Great Recession, but, but these are forces that were at play long before the Great Recession. And, um, 
you know, people, um, people like being productive. They like engaging in um, activities that they see value in. They like being valued. Work, the workplace is a place of, you know, social connections. People derive I their sense of identity often from their work. Um, you know, there, I believe that there is, and, and we, we see this in nationally representative data. Um, you see this particularly in the U.S. Um, you see that people intend to work after retirement. They tend to delay their retirements. They tend to, um, they want to partially retire. So I see, um, on the one hand, these very stark demographic pressures that raise the specter of declining economic or slowing economic growth in the long run, yet the solution is right there as well with a population of older workers that actually would like to keep working. You're, you're, you're saying you don't have to coerce us right. into doing the right thing. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly a right. A plus. It's a plus. Yeah. And so certainly, you know, my sense is that um, in the European setting, some of those same forces are at play. And in fact, um, if, you know, we spoke earlier about the great turnaround in um, the long-running decline in employment at older ages, um, well, that, that same remarkable turnaround in the mid-90s also played out in European countries as well. So the same forces that are increasing the desire and willingness of older individuals to work past traditional retirement ages are present there as well. But you're saying not as profoundly. You s- I, I well, thought you were in saying that case, I would argue that the institutional constraints are much more rigid. Ah, right. Yeah. I see what so you're you can see it playing out in, in the data, but, but the institutions are really, um, you know, much more... Um, we've made a lot more progress in this country um, around adjusting the institutions to accommodate these trends. So one, one example of that would be, um, you know, the increases in the full retirement age that have been steadily phasing in. Well, those were announced back in the 1980s. Many European countries are now, only now, or in recent years, adjusting their full retirement ages. So some of these institutional changes are being, the need for them is being recognized, but they are, they're being implemented with pretty significant lag over when we've started some of this here. The AARP, is it aware of your, uh, of your findings? Because in a sense, it seems so much to be protesting the notion of uh, extending the retirement age. As a representative of America's hmm. workers, older workers, presumably. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. You know, um, I will say that um, when I want some inspiration around what employers are devising in the way of creative strategies to keep older workers engaged and employed, um, you know, I turn, to, I turn to AARP's website for, you know, the, the annual awards they give in recognition of employers' attempts to, to do this kind of thing. Um, Is it then we will push for uh, employers devising uh, plans and uh, strategies to help us get back, help us unretire? 
but at the same time fight to the last man or woman, aged or otherwise, against uh, extending the Social Security age. Right. Um, it's a contradiction, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm not really... I'm not really, you know, in a position to comment on on their position, but um, we, I'm fairly confident that, well, for one, the full retirement age is increasing already. It is. It hasn't even fully phased in yet. So full retirement age today is 66, but it will eventually be at 67. But which I would be about, willing yeah. to to bet that we will see further increases in both the full retirement age and also in the early retirement age, which is still at 62, as you know. So, With um, penalties? Um, well, you, you, you take a penalty for claiming early with right. respect to the full benefit that you would get. That's right. Right. Have your yeah. researches ever touched upon, or has Rand's researches ever touched upon, um, a most desirable age for full mm-hmm. retirement? Desirable in terms of the economy. Oh, I see. Well, that's an interesting. It's an interesting. It's an interesting question. An interesting thought. Um, you know, I guess you'd have to. We'd have to think some about. You know, on what dimension would we consider it desirable? And I would argue that what often is most desirable, certainly from an economic efficiency point of view is to have as few constraints as possible on the, aid, on the ability of somebody to retire when it's personally optimal for them. So in other words, the more choice there is right. and the fewer institutional public policy employer constraints around when people choose to exit the labor force and how they choose to come back into the labor force if they wish to, um, you know, the fewer constraints there are upon that behavior, the better off we all are. And I really do think the story is a story of, of a great diversity of paths. People transit, they traverse, you know, the labor force, their career-building years in very different ways, and they leave the labor force in very, very different ways as well. And... Um, you know, any notion of kind of a one-size-fits-all retirement transition, which kind of was much more the way it was in the past, um, you know, we're, we're basically seeing that, that breaking down in favor of much more, many more, you know, very varied and varied transitions out of the labor force. You know, that makes me think, I suppose, as a old fuddy-duddy college professor, but it, 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 it makes me think of the connection with educational philosophies and the conflict among them. Uh, for instance, increasingly, we seem to be moving away from the older liberal arts education, which basically on the college level say, saying, we'll prepare you for anything mm. in the future. Uh, and uh, we're talking now about living a lot longer. Yeah. And yeah. this wonderful phrase of unretirement, moving on to other things, yeah. which that seems to be to a great extent. Yeah. Uh, and I would think it would impact upon our thinking about educational philosophy. Yeah. 
I, I think um, it, it, you're right, it has to. It has to impact that. Um, you, do, you do see evidence of, of, I mean, it's hard to say it's all new. This is, I mean, to a certain degree, right, there, some of this has been going on, you know, for a very long time. But um, more and more, there is an emphasis on creating, you know, opportunities for education, retraining, retooling outside of the traditional liberal arts education. Um, and in fact, you know, if, as, we, as our economy becomes more dynamic, um, people, people don't stay in the same job forever now. They change jobs, they change industries. You know, I, I, the education system has to, and I, I, I know of particular instances when, when it, where it is actually delivering opportunities for um, continuing education, for retraining, retooling, and the like. But it does become more and more important that those opportunities be available because part of what you can do when you unretire is you now have some retirement income. You don't have to work. You can actually go back to school you can obtain training in that thing that you always wanted to do or some new thing that you think sounds exciting, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you talking about a specific, and it's a question that sort of bothered me in this program and the one we did previously. Are you talking about a certain cadre mm of Americans? Are you talking about a certain level of being well off, mm -hmm. uh, having uh, social security and perhaps private money, pension? Yeah. Uh, or are we talking about a further dichotomizing society? Yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, it's hard to say where we, will, where we will wind up, but what we have seen so far is that, yes, um, unretirement rates are higher among the more educated. That was, um, in some ways, a surprise to me because when I set out to look at this, I thought, just as you know, everybody else um, who read the newspapers thought, that unretirement was um, a symptom of economic distress. Mm -hmm. um, but by and large, that's not the case. And is it higher education and higher bucks? Wealthier yeah. persons? Yeah. Those two yeah. things usually go yeah. together? And health usually goes with that as well. Good health. Good health, right? Yeah, there's a very strong correlation between higher education, higher income, and better health. You know, I mean, health really is the kind of the big question here. Will our health keep up with us, right? We're living longer. On average, we're living healthier. We should be able to work longer. Um, but not everybody will. Um, so we're back to those who have will gain more because they do take care of their health better. Mm -hmm. They are better educated. Mm -hmm. They do have more dollars in the banks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't that scare you sometimes of what you see in the long, long future? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not as if, um, I, I guess I'd make one distinction here. So it's not as if somebody who is less educated 
um, and has lower income and less retirement wealth would be somehow precluded from unretiring, per se. Right? We won't have as much opportunity. Well, we are not talking about, I mean, we are really not talking about, though, high-level jobs. Okay. Right? We're talking often about service industry jobs, um, retail, trade, you know, um, support types of positions. So, um, you know, maybe, I mean, there's certainly some possibility that they, you know, they might not be as competitive in the labor market um, for those positions as somebody who, um, you know, brings more, a higher level of skill from their past career. But, um, you know, but that is there. That is certainly there. That, that, um, that, um, it's not like, I, I, I think it would be, we'd be overstating the case to say that, that the unretirement route is closed off for them. Now, but the real concern really is, is health. You know, will their health support a longer, a longer work life? Um, now, I mean, health concerns all of us. It's not, again, you know, we don't want to draw too, I don't want to draw too, too um, you know, polarized a picture here because, right. um, you know, plenty of higher, you know, of, of well-educated people suffer severe health problems. Um, it seems to be just the nature, the nature of aging. Um, but, but, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. Recently, uh, too. Uh, the, you talked about service, service field. Yeah. Is that the one that grows the most in terms of the unretirement? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's very quite interesting. You see a very distinct movement of people out of, say, ma- the manufacturing industry mm-hmm. or out of professional, special, professional managerial occupations. So much stress? Into, yeah, yeah, yeah. Into service industries and professional, more professional support administrative positions. Yeah. So I do think, um, I mean, the service industry is, you know, one place where we do tend to find a lot of these sorts of jobs. When it Jesse, won't be the only place, though. When Jessie Gorman was here, she, I think you possibly saw us taping the program. She was talking about nurses, as you have talked about nurses, and she was talking about all of us needing someone to lead us through and sit with us when we're in the hospital. As guys, are you finding that in the health area and in the teaching area, in the do-good mm-hmm. fields, mm-hmm. that unretire, unretiring people are moving in those directions? Um, well, you know, I can't speak specifically to that exact case from, right. from the data. However, you know, it is the, you know, an obvious great position or class of positions for people who want to re-enter the labor force. Um, it's an area where there's tremendous need. There's a shortage of, you know, we talked about a shortage, the nursing shortages, so there's a shortage of labor, but, um, you know, this, you know, there's an increasing, um, increasing awareness, I guess, of the and you know Jesse spoke to this of how complex our medical care system is. Um, you know, many people do need help navigating the system, and um, I mean, this is a great a great example of of you know of an opportunity that could that older workers could kind of fill. 
ironically, if I understand the situation correctly, <clears throat> that was one of the reasons um, that there are many of us who thought that there would not be uh, um, movement back into the workforce because we were going to have to stay home and take care of our elderly parents and our younger children. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is, that's a big concern. So, you know, we, we you know, we can, we've, um, you know, we've talked about how the desire seems to be there. Employers seem to be coming along and creating opportunities. All of it is lining up just as one would hope. Um, yet, you know, health, will our health hold up? That's an open question. And caregiving responsibilities are another open question. Not being paid for giving the care, but caring for our families. Caring for our families. That's right. That's right. That's such an interesting uh, conflict there. Yeah, yeah. We need right. the bucks to go into our economy yep. by paying for these the services. Yeah. And yet people aren't availing themselves of, of those opportunities because they have to take care of their own. Because that's right. Right. That's exactly right. And yet you seem wonderfully optimistic about the long-range tendencies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am optimistic. I am. And I, yes. You know, I mean, it's, it's the way I see it is, is um, the forces that are at play here are really strong. Like these are not just little wavering trends that might, you know, turn around and take us back the other direction. Um, and sure, there are challenges along the way, and you know, the way in which we, um, you know, adapt to those challenges. You know, if we adapt well, um, you know, we'll see even more employment at older ages. Um, if we don't adapt so well, then it won't be quite as rosy as we're hoping. Um, but, I, you know, my view is that this is where we're, where we're headed. Um, and the de- it's just a matter of degree. Um, I'll take that view. It's yeah. a very positive one. And Nicole yeah. Maestas, thank you again very for well. joining me on The Open Mind. Thank you. And thanks, too, to you in the audience. I hope you join us again next time. Meanwhile, as an old friend used to say, Good night and good luck. And do visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash openmind 